This is Game Theory, a podcast about competition, strategy, and decision-making. Hosted by me, Nick Andrews, and my brother, Chris. In this episode, we're stuck at an airport. Just days before Christmas, an enormous winter storm called a bomb cyclone brought polar weather patterns as far south as Mexico. This caused thousands of airline cancellations. And while that's annoying, it's understandable. Can't force a plane to fly in bad weather. But when most airlines rebooked and rebooted following the weather, one did not. In a 10-day period, Southwest Airlines canceled more than 10,000 flights, the vast majority of which had nothing to do with weather. Southwest Airlines got caught with its pants down, and it cost them nearly a billion dollars. And welcome to episode 54 of Game Theory, a podcast about competition strategy and decision-making. I'm Nick, that's Chris, and today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite thing, airline travel, and we have a confession to make, Chris, actually. Yeah, we're going to confess something already, right off the top of the show, to start the year, really. Yeah, so do you want to know what our confession is? So, a yeah. little, little peek behind the curtain, as we like to say, a little, see how the sausage is made. Um, we may have recorded our last episode before Chris went to Buffalo, and that's important for this particular episode, because you didn't go to Buffalo. No, no, we straight up lied on the podcast, and and a peek a peek further behind a peek behind the curtain behind the curtain. Mm. We straight up lied on the show, and that was the first in the moment of recording it. That was the first time I learned we were going to be telling that lie. <laughs> you crushed it, um, kind of. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I learned in uh, I learned in improv classes. You just got to go along with what the other person said. Like that that's the key to a good conversation. That's the key to good improv. Like you just have to agree with everything. Like you can't you can't be like no no I'm no I didn't really go to Buffalo. Like yeah no kidding I know I didn't go to Buffalo. But for God's sake we're recording a podcast episode. Yes, we have to go with what we're saying. Right, and uh, we were gonna we were we were going to publish it the last Tuesday of the year. But then we thought everybody understands that's the dead week. That's uh, the the, yes. the very famous. I don't know if it's New Yorker or whatever. This one of my favorite uh, cartoonists that I follow on, like actually the only cartoonist I follow on Instagram, where you just like erase the calendar in the middle with like question marks, like what happens between Christmas and New Year's. So that's when that was. We're like, we're not gonna drop an episode. We'll drop it, and then it happened to be the two hundred and seventieth anniversary or whatever from the actual event. It's like, oh, this is perfect. We'll do the George Washington thing. It'll be great. Uh, but then you didn't go to Buffalo. Your flight got canceled, which is what today's episode's about. We're also going to be giving our top three best and worst. We're going to argue about our top three best and worst things about airline travel and airports, uh, mostly airports. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. But you didn't go to Buffalo because you were here with me in North Carolina, which has yes. multiple hubs for American Airlines. You live in yep. D.C. Buffalo yep. is a spoke. It is a destination. It is not a hub. And we're going to talk about that, that model today. But before that, would you like to talk about uh, your time in Buffalo? Yeah, it, I'm sure it was very great. I imagined it would have been very fun to reconnect with some people that I hadn't seen in a while to mm. meet some new friends, meet a brand new baby. Oh yeah. Uh, That's yeah, exciting. New, brand new baby in the, uh, in, in the other side of the future extended family. Mm. It, I, I'm sure it would have been lovely. The snowscapes. I imagine <laughs> drinking a lot. I imagine eating a lot of delicious meals. I mm. imagine being in the company of those who cared a lot about me and, uh, 
feeling safe and sound, even though there was a driving ban in the city for like four days. Which uh, is absurd that Buffalo got got screwed up by a winter storm. That's um, it, it takes a lot for a winter storm to screw up those people. That's what they live for. It does. That lake effect stuff. So before we get into our episode, we've got some updates and some things to share. The first thing I wanted to update is that we are putting effort into YouTube. It is a, it's one of our New Year's resolutions. I've also learned Excel. I did graphs and charts over the weekend yes. for fun. I YouTubed it and everything. It was exciting. Uh, wow. so the, 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 by the way, I just want to point out. Yeah. You are fulfilling the prophecy of becoming Dale. Mm. I have distinct memories. So for for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know why he was doing that. I don't know if it was just like skill building, or whatever. That's our I dad. I have distinct by the way. memories of our father going to the public library, specifically in Rock Springs, because mm. they had a better DVD section at the White Mountain Library. Yeah, he went to the DVD section, picked out a bunch of stuff on how to learn Microsoft stuff. Like I learned PowerPoint through watching Dad watching these videos. Yeah, and it, they had PowerPoint, they had Excel, they had all this kind of stuff, and you took the time out of your day in your 30s to do that. So, yes, not only that, but I've started to learn. It's incredible. There are some skills on the internet that are really cool and fun that have people have turned into games and competitions. The Excel games is a thing. Those are I've watched a Yo. couple highlights of those. That's crazy. I also love crazy. the Wikipedia game. When I, I used to stream chess. I streamed the Wikipedia game a couple times. That, that game is so much fun. What is that, like three clicks to Jesus? It's sort of like that. So you pick a, you can click this randomizer, and I don't, like, it's not an updated game, but it's just like you have to find your way from one place to another, and they're actually really hard. I, I fully believe that. No, because, great. like, there's so many articles that are, are, like, very, very specific, and, like, it's, I, I'm always surprised by, like, there, wow, there's a Wikipedia article on this. Wow, there's a lot of information about it. Right. But then there's other stuff that, like, there should be a Wikipedia article about that there isn't. Like, oh, I'm surprised nobody's gotten to this yet. My number one bullet point on my Wikipedia resume is that I updated Wikipedia run once, and the editors accepted it, and it's still there today. I'm super excited about it. That's impressive. And, you, well, of course, we all have ways of verifying that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can, actually. You have to, like, log L in to do that. Link in the show notes mm. to to the bullet point. <laughs> I that, added uh, Romeo Oquara to notable undrafted players from 2016 because he was, was not he drafted. Yep, he was wow. undrafted and he was not included. He signed a big contract with the Detroit Lions after being cut by the Giants, and he is now a really good player. And he was not listed under the notable undrafted players, and I did it. Okay, we have well, some updates bravo. also. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried flew home on a uh, $5.7 trillion bond, and his family just has it. So he's now awaiting trial where he's going to plead not guilty and get off. So. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. Fuck that guy. Also, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this for our the, the handful of chess people that follow us. Chess.com has been working on a group of bots for some time now, and they unleashed them on the world last week, and they are absolutely taking the world by storm. You have no idea about this? No. Bruh. So you know how when you play the computer, when you're playing chess on the airplane because you can't play people, you have to play the computers, the bots? <laughs> yeah, like the, like the built-in thing on uh -huh. the back of the screen, the screen on the back of the seat in front of you. Right. No, no, no. I'm talking about like on, on chess.com on your phone. They're oh, bots, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And they're learning and they like will have a bot that's like a 1200 and a 1400 or whatever. Well, they unleashed a bunch of bots with different ratings, one of which has a rating of one. Its name is <laughs> It's They have cats. There are five cats you can play. The, the, the boss cat, Mittens, is like the cutest looking anime one. There has, as of Saturday, no one is confirmed to have beaten it. <laughs> it is well, absurd. It's, it's, probably, it's probably just Magnus Carlson. Well, that's what that's what the the, the joke they, they keep making the joke about that. I think that it is like a bot based on him. I, nobody knows, but one of our the most famous chess YouTubers, Gotham, uh, got mittens to play mittens, and it like broke everyone's brain. They were like, "You, I, I played mittens, Chris, and like move six, it did some weird shit." And I'm like, "This is." This is a computer that it was. It brought it. It didn't castle. It brought the rook to the second file or the second rank. It was. It was nuts. It, 
it was nuts and it obliterated. What are we doing out here? It was it was a lot of fun. So that's what's happening in the chess world. Mittens is undefeated apparently, and there are GMs that are like, "What the fuck? This is crazy." <laughs> so, Amazing. So there's yeah there's a there, there's a Sauron in the chess world. Okay, so in this episode, we are here to talk about airline travel. So if you were paying attention, we had the apocalypse of bullshit happen for travel over the holidays. Yes. Factor yes, number one. Christmas was on a Sunday. Worst case scenario for Christmas, by far. Yeah, we should we should have known that we had a terrible travel season coming when the calendar fell on this day. Like honestly, they, they should do. They got to figure out something so that that never happens again. Honestly, I since almost everyone agrees Jesus was absolutely born nowhere near December. We no. should just be like, hey, let's just do it on Thursday, just like Thanksgiving. That works out so well. We all love it so much. Let's just do that. I was I was having like the third conversation in as many days with somebody the other day about how the holidays are too close together. They are Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like like Dad was complaining about that. Friends of mine were complaining about that yesterday. Friends of mine were complaining about that like right after the New Year. Like yeah, I mean, there's no question. Three weeks basically. It's too much time, and you have to make too many decisions and too much travel. You went to a private school, which is a different kind of vibe than a public school. I went to a public school for college, so for Thanksgiving at a public school. Because it's a public school and it's there to support, like, theoretically the local and regional students, Thanksgiving is a week vacation. Now, a lot of private schools would just do three or four days, like, because they don't take that time off, which means you have class on, like, Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I did not. So I had nine days off in a row, and then you come back to college, and it's, like, finals, pre-finals. And you're, like, (laughs) and Christmas is right around the corner. You're, like, I can't. This is bullshit. It's also football season. Like, this is awful. Completely agree. That's a trap. So, fact number one, Christmas is on a weekend awful because we all need that weekend we all need that last weekend before christmas very badly factor number two our first bomb arctic cyclone happens at that time so not only is there a bomb cyclone ahead of christmas christmas is not a weekend which was when everyone's going to travel we don't get that extra weekend travel is not dispersed so on the busiest christmas travel portion of the calendar which is also smack dab in the middle of hanukkah a bomb cyclone comes all the way down to like mexico it was yeah it was it was amazing like and like, I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I'll, I'll use sensational sounding terms like bomb cyclone. Like bomb cyclone isn't just like a mm-hmm. really big pattern of weather. Like there's a specific <laughs> set of conditions that have to happen. That's like a formal name. Right. And I, I saw a visualization of the temperatures across North America. Like it's, it's kind of weird to think about. Like if you think of like just the fluid dynamics across the surface of a sphere, mm-hmm. like it's basically just like fluids moving from place to place. And like, it's weird to think about that on such a huge scale, but seeing this visualization of this like blast of Arctic air that just comes down from the super cold region in the north, and it spread all the way across the continent. And you could like watch hour by hour temperatures drop. We had like crazy, crazy temperature drops, like yeah. fifty degrees plus in like a half hour. And seeing that visualized was amazing. And it, it like you said, it did go all the way down to Mexico. Like Miami cooled mm-hmm. off because of yep. this thing. It was it, it was you were unbelievable. Here. In North Carolina, it was zero yeah. seven degrees, and it was awful. And it's not like that here. You, I mean, it gets cold twenties and thirties all the time. It was like twenty something last night, I think, but never like that. So that happens week before Christmas. As a result of that, airlines reasonably canceled travel. When It's not like uh, other situations. Like, oh, we'll see how it goes. When airlines are like, we can't fucking fly, they're like, we can't fly. Like, it's done. There's not a conversation. Yeah. Like, what can you do? Nothing. There's snow and ice yeah, in the car. Like, you're going to die. Everyone will die. We're not doing it. So everybody cancels. That makes a ton of sense. The other airlines, the big three American airlines are American Airlines, Delta. Which makes sense if you think about it. And United. And it says there was some merging that happened after 2008 and that whole thing. So those are what I call the big three. Then there are a bunch of other kind of smaller ones. Alaska, Frontier, and Spirit and Frontier are kind of like your, your, your discount airlines. Alaska is con- 
uh, constantly one of the best, and then there are subsidiaries. Then there's also Southwest. Now, Southwest operates in a completely different model. So while all of the, outline, all of the airlines are canceling flights as a result of the bomb cyclone, Southwest couldn't get their shit together after the weather got better. And the reason behind that is because they're a terrible company with terrible management. But we're going to explain exactly. <laughs> I mean, fucking yeah, like I, you, yeah. You, you want it to be a, a more complex story than that because you yeah. don't want to just like bad mouth a company for no reason. Yeah. But like in, in this case, they just did a poor job of being a company. Yeah. So in capitalism, there's this interesting debate and we're going to do uh, we're going to try to do a little bit more on disruption throughout the year because um, we've done that in the past and it's kind of gone well. The negatives to disruption are people are get obsessed with it and they think they're disrupting when really they're just like trying to invent something that nobody cares about. But the positive side of disruption is that you are proactive instead of reactive. So a great example of this would be Boeing, the company. When the Boeing 737 Max or whatever started going down, the reason is because they started to favor. At, when companies do this, this is when the bleeding starts. When companies start to prioritize costs that's when they're no longer innovative. And when you're innovative, yes. you're ahead of this. You're like, oh, well, let's just, be, let's just focus on being a good company instead of cutting costs. So Southwest wants to control costs, and to control costs, what you do is you don't update technology. You don't adapt to the time. So they don't operate on a hub-and-spoke model. And as a result of that, there was a confluence, a domino effect of having to cancel flights, not because of weather, because they had no idea where their employees were, their pilots and their, their flight attendants. And those people couldn't get assigned jobs unless they called in on a line at the same time as the th tens of thousands of other Southwest employees, which would jam the line. So in order to know what your, your job was that day, you call a fucking number and they say, okay, you're on a flight from Phoenix to Dallas. And okay, but everyone's calling the number at the same time. So they just had to stop operations the week between Christmas and New Year's so that they could unfuck all of this. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Like, like in the dead week where we talk about like we're out here lying on podcasts and Southwest is like unable to run its business. It's like just just for a little bit of like to put this in perspective, like we said, everybody canceled a bunch of flights. Like SkyWest, for example, had to cancel a bunch of flights. Like every airline canceled a lot of flights. Right. But more than 90% of the flights that were canceled in that week before Christmas were, were Southwest. Right. They Be canceled over 2,500 flights according to FlightAware. And the next, the highest was SkyWest with 77. So, like, orders of magnitude more flights. And that's because the, the fundamental structure of the system that Southwest has used to, like, run its business, like, the model that it uses is different from all the other airlines. And accordingly, the software that it used is older and less sophisticated right. than what the other airlines are using. And the scheduling system is different. The requirements for the software are, diff are different. And that was fine, long ago when technology had a much lower ceiling and software was a little bit more complicated and like it was harder to develop. Like we hadn't made as much technological progress with like scheduling softwares and right. the, the, the industry standard was just much lower. But now here we are decades later, software is ubiquitous. Everybody uses it all of the time with cell phones and GPS and all kinds of stuff. Anybody can set up like a basic scheduling algorithm with tools that are readily available on like any app on the downs or on some app on on the app store you can download. Right. And Southwest had to use like literally manual labor to try to set up their scheduling because they just didn't invest in software as it changed. And, and like you said, they were focused on trying to save on costs rather than innovating as a business and staying ahead of the curve. Right. And if it, I, I, I've I've 
said this to coworkers at various jobs in the past. If your company is in the place of like, well, don't expense that. We're trying to save money. Like, well, then you're all real close to losing your jobs. Any company that's good at this, what they'll do is when costs are bad, they'll just cut employees, which I think is weirdly significantly more ethical than bleeding employees dry. Instead of laying off 100 a year, just lay off 10,000 if times are bad. Like, I, everybody understands the deal. Like, Amazon fucked up. They wasted a bunch of money on Echo. They cut a bunch of jobs. Like, but they tried Echo. You know, that, that's yeah, today's episode is sponsored by Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it is. I mean, we're on, we are absolutely on Amazon and Audible and wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, we'd be like, well, well that, that's that's an interesting question about like whether the tech sector is doing this because they're smart and innovative or because like they're panicky and they mismanage a bunch of investments. Like like Facebook had to cut a bunch of employees. Google's cut a bunch of employees. Right. Like say Amazon, Amazon cut like 18,000 employees recently. Yeah. It's, that's only like 1% of what their workforce is. Like they're, they're a huge company. Yeah. But still, they, they almost cut like 20,000 people. And so like, okay, ethical, is it good or bad? Like, well, would you rather get one bullet to the head or four to the chest and bleed out? Like, okay, that's that's one question. But it's another if, if they're just like cutting costs. to cut, cut. It reminds me of this skit from like I don't know 2011 2012 on Rooster Teeth. Mm. Remember those guys? No. Oh, is that blue. the the, uh, the Halo guys? Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. They did the they did the Red versus Blue. They have a bunch of different web series, and it's like a weird company. And like, actually, they, that'd be an interesting one to, for us to talk about at some mm. point. They have their own kind of like problems. But early early days <laughs> yeah. of Rooster Teeth was like immediately post recession. So like these college graduates in 2011 are going into the worst job market ever. And these guys have this like entertainment company online that was kind of like on the cutting edge of like online web-based entertainment. Anyway, these guys had a sketch or a sketch about running the company. It's like, you know, them live instead of the animated. And uh, one of the guys goes like, well, yeah, no, we need to cut costs around here. The other guy goes, well, why are we in trouble? So, well, no, we're fine. I guess, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't understand. Why do we need to cut costs? We're fine. Like, well, because the economy is bad. <laughs> it's like, well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, and it's the it's the, the the chicken or the egg. I'm like, are you doing it to get ahead of time, or do you need to make money? And then stock prices go down, and you're like, well, yeah, and like you you yeah. doing this, yeah, like you cutting thousands of employees out of jobs makes people panic, and like that's the self fulfilling prophecy. It's like, well, yeah, of course the economy is going to be bad if everybody treats the economy as though it's going to be bad. Right. Like, you guys, come on. Yeah, that, that's definitely part of the deal. So regardless, you look at these companies who are constantly trying to cut costs without cutting employees. Those companies to me are signaling much worth health, much worse health than companies that cut a bunch of employees. Because while all of these tech companies cut all those people, they also hired a fuck ton over the last three years. And that is, you know, like they're investing in things. Echo, objectively, Amazon's product didn't work. It is only a smart, it's just a speaker. It's just, hey, hey, Echo, play music. It doesn't do anything. But the business part of it did. They figured that out and the people that worked on it, you know, we don't, the consumer, we don't want it. It is what it is. But Southwest, okay. So Southwest operates on a point-to-point system as an, as an airline. What that means is it just flies to places. Most big American airlines, American Airlines, Delta, United, they operate on what's called the hub-spoke model, which is objectively is a fascinating thing, and I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea. What that means is there are locations throughout the country that are, are centrally located and are reasonably f- spaced out from one another where huge amounts of operations take place for these companies. They then will fly you there and fly you to your destination. So you have a hub where much of the business is conducted, and then they go out, and then they come back right? The reason this is important and the reason that Southwest got kind of screwed here, without a hub, none of your employees have a home base. Nobody's based out of anywhere. They could all be random places like Buffalo, New York, whereas, for example, you flying American Airlines, 
to come see me, Charlotte is an American Airlines hub. That means there are crews and pilots that are fucking there. They're there. They live there. They're based in Charlotte. They're based in Philadelphia. They're based in, I believe, Dallas and Miami and I think LAX. Delta has Atlanta, of course. United has Chicago and Denver. This helps for moments like this, but when Southwest didn't want to do that. They wanted to be point-to-point, which is a cheaper way to operate for a long time, but while mass things like doesn't impact the whole system, when there are cancellations, it does. This would yeah, never happen to American or Delta, and we know that because it didn't. Yeah, it, it, like the, the the thing about the hub and spoke model is like we've talked about kind of like the shapes of networks on the show before, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you talk about like how your friends are more popular than you are. Right. Like the, that's a feature of the shape of like the interconnections between people. Like if you think about it, it's like a big 3D graph of all the places where you would want to go. The, the, the structure of the network is what defines like like that's what defines a lot of the properties of the interactions between the two points on the network. So in a hub and spoke model, everything's fine if the hub is fine. You can you can have a couple of spokes break. That's okay, but you can get rerouted through other directions it, as long as like the main hub is all right. And another result of that is, as you said, if there's a cancellation on one spoke, well, that doesn't affect the operations of the hub or the rest of the spokes. So it's not going to cause like a chain reaction of like, well, if I'm trying to get across the country flying from I don't know Newark to Chicago and I want to get to L.A., my Newark to Chicago flight might be canceled, but that's okay because I can go through another direction mm-hmm. and the hub is okay and I can eventually get to the hub and, and get to where I want to go. So cancellations are in effect stopped at because of the hub. It's like a it's a built-in protection mechanism that doesn't cause like a huge chain reaction of like future cancellations just because one glitch in the system stopped the whole thing. Right. The other thing that I kind of like about it that, I, that I've noticed is that it, it affords you with, it feels like a lot more opportunities. Like the... They obviously there's opportunities for price gouging, but you have a lot more variety of when you can like your trip availability is a lot higher, which is just helps the consumer. Even if prices are driven higher, the opportunity to leave at any given time and fly to a specific place is really helpful. So I've been a a loyal uh, customer of American. I fly American literally unless I can't because I've lived in Philadelphia and then now in, in Western North Carolina, which is Charlotte. And I fly out of Greensboro, which is like a mini American Airlines hub. Essentially, it just flies to Charlotte or, or wherever. Because you live in a town that's a hub, it, it becomes so much more helpful to just be loyal to that group so that yes. you can always be safe. We just had this conversation with our father flying for Thanksgiving. He's like, well, Southwest. and like, shut up. I'm flying American because I'm not going to get stuck in fucking Phoenix. They, if they can't get me to Charlotte, they can get me to Dallas. They can get me to Miami. They can get me to Philly. Just like that. I'm not going to be stuck in Phoenix. You got stuck in Phoenix uh, last yes. year with this exact kind of thing. And you had... American, they got you out the next day because there is a way to get from a big city to a hub without a problem. That's like a huge advantage to this model. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a feature of having airline presence basically everywhere within like the country that you would want to go. It's a feature of having many flights uh, going across the country every day, uh, and it's a feature of having good like sophisticated software where you can match up scheduling because you know everybody's going to be based out of this one hub you know the aircrafts are going to be circle like cycling through this one hub and it's a lot easier to kind of design larger more complex systems that way and if you have software that can accommodate that hub and spoke model you're good to go it's it it, that's a much more efficient way of, of running the business when it's when it's a large enough company when there are enough flights when you get enough business you're going to enough destinations it makes more sense to concentrate 
your operations out of like several large important locations rather than trying to do this kind of stitched together network of like random connections that's it, like in the short term it's more cost efficient if you're only going like regional flights right. like say in the southwest part of the country right but if you want to expand those operations and go everywhere you got to have hubs yeah and, and southwest I, just didn't do that the the crazy thing is is going to be whether or not they pull their head out of their ass and kind of do that which they should like like our parents live in phoenix like phoenix should be a southwest hub like it, it just it should be they should do this exact thing um also like san francisco maybe or i don't even know i'm just pulling places out of my ass but if they want to like be one of the big boy airlines they're going to have to do this because i right now even before this happened i didn't trust them because i don't like you have one flight a day direct from phoenix to charlotte maybe two like i'm not doing it i just can't trust you not to leave me stranded somewhere for days at a time and this is why okay we're going to take a short little uh diversion a side quest if you will we're going to give our our favorite and worst parts of airline travel and airports before let's call this the connecting flight <laughs> the, con- <laughs> oh, the layover oh, shit. Uh, yeah my own was better uh, but Man, then we're going to talk about all of the money that southwest lost as a result of this and just like how ridiculous it has actually gotten um, um for them so okay Best and worst parts of airports. Um, mm. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to start with I, the best part of the airport. Okay. Uh, so this is an idea that I took from listening to an interview with the great, legendary, late drummer, Neil Peart, mm. uh, the greatest drummer of all time, in the opinion of uh, anybody with two ears and a brain. That is actually true. Yeah. So they think they had a famous song called YYZ. I'm not pronouncing it the Canadian way, but it's named after Canadian airport. That's the, yeah, it's the call sign for, for the Toronto airport. Anyway, they were talking about like, what's the deal with what, like, why would you write a song about this? And he said, well, okay, well strip away all the minutiae of air travel, strip away like the airport security and Mm -hmm. baggage and all the schedule, like, like forget all of the like logistical details. Airports are really romantic places. So I'm going to say the best thing about airline travel is like, it's really romantic. I mean, in theory, you could just get on a vehicle and within hours, be anywhere else. You can find yourself anywhere across the globe in the day and age that we live in. So like thinking about that and like meeting new people and seeing new places and having new experiences, I think that's the best part about airports. Like if you get get rid of all the all the nonsense that bogs everybody down that we're about to talk about, like the worst parts of air travel, mm. the romance of the thing I think is just it's it's, it's magical. I I agree with you. It is it's, it is crazy that you're kind of incognito. I think you and I still kind of dress nice for flights. Like, I don't dress like in a suit or anything, but it's just like, it feels good to be going somewhere, uh, I think. I like restaurants and bars at airports, depending on the airport. Yes. Um, at the big hubs, Minneapolis is always my favorite. I argue for Minneapolis all of the yeah. time. Hunkering down on a layover is, it's a weird serendipitous event. I'd much rather be where I want to go, but like, okay, I have a seven or eight hour layover. Let's just, let's have a couple. Let's just see what happens. Let's let's charge our phone and maybe listen to a book or watch a movie. And there are other people doing that. You can kind of be anonymous, which is really fun. It's like the hustle and bustle yeah. of a big city while also like you don't really exist anywhere. You're just kind of at this dot in the map. You can't leave and then come back. It's 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 pretty great. Well, it's like that guy who lived in an airport for like years. Yes. Uh this happened a couple of times. There was a Tom Hanks movie about it. Yeah, Terminal. Terminal. Yeah. Which is yeah, I think that guy died death. recently, actually. Yeah. Oh, the like terminal. The that, oh, the, the, he did. I saw that on a meme account. That's where yeah, I get my guess. actually Dude, I, I, those meme accounts. I know. It's so stupid. It's so whack that we're getting headlines from them. I know. And yet here we are. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with one more good thing about airports. One more good thing about airports. Well, uh, okay. It, it's it's hard to think about good things about airports. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> one of the saving graces uh, is bookstores at airports. Yeah, fair. I, very, I find those very aspirational places. 
You find bookstores at airports aspirational well, places. Well, not for me, but for everybody else. I'm going to buy this book. Like, you're not reading that, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the, our, when, remember when Dad used to fly a lot more yeah. for traveling? He was doing like regional stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you see a lot of people starting books at airports. That's, I mean... A lot of people in the first 10 or 15 pages of a book. I bought, uh, when, I, when I was in high school, I bought The Origin of Species in a, at an airport and started reading it. And I was like, man, I'm so smart. Yeah. And then I got like a page in and I was like, I don't understand any of this. Now I'm bored already. <laughs> yep. And I was like, well, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dipshit that decided to buy Origin of Species. So I thought I'd look smart to everybody else. So like, I guess I got to read it. Um, uh, yeah. So that happens all of the time. I think all that one of the worst things about airports, let's get into the worst things about airports. Worst thing about airports for me is that they're never close. <laughs> your trip is never like your trip is never over when you land ever no. ever never ever no. i tell people when you fly to chicago your flight is actually an hour longer from getting from your plane to downtown chicago is at least an hour oh yeah well and, and washington dc is all proud of itself because it has this like janky crappy metro system guys the metro sucks if anybody's listening to this in dc and is like an advocate of the metro metro sucks and they're super proud of themselves. Like, even though it takes 10 or 15 minutes between trains when it used to take two or three, even though they're more dangerous than ever because they literally mismeasured the width of the track for a train, they're all excited because they finally, in the year 2022, finished an extension of the Silver Line that had been in the works. Like, I had heard about that when I was thinking about first moving to Washington in the damn Obama administration. People were like, oh, they're finally going to get the Metro out to Dulles Airport. And they just did that. Like six or seven years after the fact. So they're all, like, you know, giving themselves a nice little wank and like, oh, yeah, we can finally get... Yeah, but it takes, like, over an hour to get there from downtown, like, Metro Center. So I, I just... It, you got to build in that extra time. Dulles is super, super far away. DCA is an inconvenient distance to drive. Baltimore is, like, 45 minutes to an hour drive, depending on traffic. Airports are never like right where you want to be. And I guess Never. that's a good thing. So you have like planes flying over sure, your home. Sure, totally. Like but also what feet. a pain in my ass. And so, so we were yes. doing, I was doing the calculating like where, where do I have to travel and how easy would the airline have to be for me to elect to fly over driving? Like the best thing is that it's out of your control. You can kind of relax, right? Which by the way, America's high-speed rail, lack of high-speed rail is a capitalist uh, post-apocalyptic hailscape. We should be able to get on a train and go places much easier always. You know, okay, you know, people love to get on their high horse about this lack of high-speed rail, and it's like, oh, it's a failure of capitalism. Okay, but people bitched about the the railroad barons, too. People complained, like, oh, my goodness, they're going to control the entire country sure. with their sprawling railways. Like, okay... That, but that was capitalism also. So, like, but planes weren't invented I, then. First of all, secondly, like, like well, this what, is exactly like, what we're only, talking about. This is exactly what we're talking about. The only egalitarian way to get from A to B is to fucking walk or like have a horse pull your wagon. Like, get uh, over yourself. Well, why won't the capitalists do it and make the money? Because they won't make the money. There, you, did you know there used to be a, a an Amtrak line that went through Southwest Wyoming, went on I eighty. Yeah. You could get on the Amtrak and go to watch a Cowboys game. You have any idea how much money that would cost for the like dozens of people that would use it every year? Yeah, no, I mean like it's we, not I don't want you to they waste high speed rail across parts of the country that don't have the demand for it, obviously. But uh, and and yet people are like, oh, look and how low. Much I live in one of the most highly populated Europe. areas in the country, and you do too. And I can't get from me to you on a train. Yes, you can. No, we do, we discuss that over the holidays. I have to take a bus. Surely. Okay, you have to take a bus. So you have to get to the railway station. I don't station. know actually not a where, station I, think, I don't house. know. Where does Amtrak, where does Amtrak, I'm not going to let this go, track end. Dude, uh, I, I'm, 
What? There, there should be more high-speed rail in America is a broke take. Like if you <laughs> it make, is a, if it you, is a had take. It is not a new take or a hot take. Yeah, it's it, it yeah it's 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 a, a has been like look it would be very nice but it's just it's okay while we're like we're talking about trains I've already like lampoon metro do you have any idea how much money those people get in public subsidies every year on top of the cost of people getting on the trains okay which people metro well yeah I mean DC is don't compare DC to the rest of us so combine so combine oh one of the most densely populated areas of the country sure. like right in the middle of like an actual Amtrak station like a True. set of Amtrak Fair. stations metro transit between the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia, gets a total of over a billion dollars a year in public subsidies. That's billion with a B. Public money funneled into this company to run a transit system. They can't do it on time. It's terrible. People jump fares all the time. They, they, like, they, I'm not kidding. Fox News, like the local Fox affiliate, was running a story about how they were. In, they installed these like plexiglass semicircles over the tops of like the little stands that you go like you swipe the, mm -hmm. the pass to go through like the turnstile right. gates and they installed these plexiglass barriers over the top of these things not horizontally but like parallel to the parallel to the stands and they're like well this will stop fair jumpers from jumping over like using their hands to like prop themselves over the gates and that'll solve the whole problem i'm not kidding you on camera literally as they're doing a feature on this story someone in the background jumped the turnstile with this thing installed so like this company gets a billion dollars a year in public money to be run like garbage to not fulfill the need, like the transit needs of, of the community. And still they're charging people a bunch of money. And yet we want to like extrapolate that all the way across the country to fill vast expanses of nothing with no customers. Like the money's like it, the, the, the financial sense just isn't there. It doesn't work. I haven't done enough research. You know what? This sounds like an episode. I know, I know I don't, you haven't I done don't think, I don't think you're hundred percent correct, but we are going, what I will say that well, so, and Metro, right. your, your, your gripes with Metro are so personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're personal because the company personally affects me by purporting to offer a good service. Philly's, and then just not Philly's rail transit is far. You have no idea what a shitty subway system is. Just let me let me learn you that. You have no well, like Boston and Philadelphia. That, that is makes a, a joke. that makes a point. Like the fact that the fact that DC Metro is somehow like a shining example of the a good transit standard, company. Yeah, sure. it, like that is that is the point. That's the exact point I'm trying to make. Like you Ugh. can't just have good rail. Like you can't just like oh yes low and there was a railway station that made everybody interconnected low. and everything so much easier. No, it doesn't work. And another shitty thing about airports is <laughs> the <laughs> having to take rail from terminal to terminal. No. <laughs> Like that, well, I, the, the like the Delta terminal in Detroit, it actually yeah. has like a, like people move around on the top of the thing. Yeah, no, and in the, yeah, the, one of the, there's a terminal in the airport in Detroit that is not connected to any of the other airports. I have been stuck in it for hours. It's, so it's like a fundamentally different airport. <laughs> it is. It's two different things. Okay, number two thing shitty about airports for me is obviously security. It sucks. Yeah. It is just a tax that we have to pay. If you've ever been to Ground Zero, like you get it. Totally get it. Americans are crazy. We just had yeah. a six-year-old student purposely shoot his teacher at school. So yeah, I totally understand the need for security. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck. All those shouts to all the good pups, the good boys and girls who are making airline security much faster. Yeah, well, and, and like I don't want to, I, I don't want to belittle anybody for doing a job. Like, no, you got you got to have some kind of airline security. But like the organization TSA is not good at it. No, like they they don't they they. I mean, remember several years ago there were studies that they like failed to catch like 90% of the stuff that like contraband that people are trying to sneak through huge mess. and like, like technology has improved a lot since then. Like there are new scanning machines where they can see with a very, very precise level of detail without having to like x-ray. And it's harder to like kind of disguise things in your bag. Like I, I, 
I knew a guy who uh, who snuck a bunch of weed through in his carry on bag or in his uh, little personal yeah. item because he put it like inside an orange. I'm like, well, he's like, well, it's only looking for organic matter, so I can't really tell what's inside the orange. And I don't know if they can like tell the difference now, but yeah. it's the, the the fact is like it's not like an efficient, successful organization. Like it's possible to like bring stuff through. Yeah, so, absolutely. It said so, like knowing that that that's like you're not 100% secure and you got to go through this rigmarole anyway. Like it, the, the alternative to that is like paying money for basically a subscription to not take your shoes off a couple times a year when you fly. Like yeah. that's, yeah, that sucks. That's a bummer. It, it does. It, it, it does suck. But again, I mean, it's better than nothing. And, you know, we've had the Lockerbie bombing and 9-11. You just got to have it. You have to have it. Okay. What's one of your worst parts about airports? One of my worst parts about airports is that people go feral. The human behavior aspect of it yeah. is, uh, it's it's bad, you guys. Like, it's getting hey, worse. We, 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 we're, we're, I'm just in an airport on travel, like, noticing people. Like, there, there's no sense of law and order. Uh, it, it's the Wild West. Like, you can't, like, technically commit crimes, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised to see, like, a law enforced at any point in the airport. People just, like, spread out all over the place. Like, it's every man for himself. It's, it's like, a very weird, like... It's not a we're all in this together dynamic until everybody can like find a common enemy. Yeah, and like un- until such time as like the airline becomes a villain or like somebody starts like really really acting up, nobody is in it together at any point. And it's like you gotta you gotta be aware of your surroundings. Like, people take on like a very weird aspect in the airport. Yeah, it's like um, it's almost that like there's no parental supervision even for the grownups. So they're like, yes, what, if we're, yes. what if we're dicks to everybody? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, who's gonna who's gonna stop me? It's like I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to like correct that. I don't know if it's, it's just like a weird. It's it's less of like a like an inconvenience. It's like not not an affront to me existing in the, in the airport. It's just very strange how like the person that you know and, like, and your friend that you go out and have a beer with or go watch a ball game with, like he's not the same guy as no. the guy who's standing next to you in his body walking through an airport. Yeah, and it's, it's exactly person. like like traffic to me. I don't understand. Like I, I guess just not being centered or everybody can just get your wires crossed because it's out of your control. Like you can get stuck on airline travel. Like if you're driving, yeah. you feel like you're in control. But by being at an airport, you have one thing in common with everybody there who doesn't work there, which is that you don't want to be where you are right now. All of you have that fact in common by being at an airport. So just calm down. That's true. Yeah, it's like, it's like, whoa, what? Oh, no, sorry, I, uh, I got to get off the plane. It's like, whoa, yeah, you find yourself in the unique position of not wanting to sit on a, st- a stationary airplane for longer than necessary. Like, oh, gee whiz. Yeah, like every time you're at an airport, you're like, I will for sure be leaving this place soon. For sure. Yeah, so like, so really the, the advice is like, observe other people, enjoy yourself in an airport, but like be more considerate because correct. everybody yeah. is as impatient as you are. And right now I'm not actually talking to you. I'm not talking to player three. I'm talking to me. Yes, I'm telling. I'm saying, Chris, be more patient in the airport. Stop getting irritated at little inconveniences. Yeah, everybody yes. else doesn't want to be there, and everybody is in a weird frame of mind. So, right. settle down. Okay, Southwest Airlines. Do you want to hear some facts? Yeah, I want to hear some facts about about Southwest Airlines. So, by model. January sixth, from December twenty first to December thirty first, Southwest confirmed it canceled more than sixteen thousand flights what, in that, that ten many? day period. Yep. Holy cow! They were the, the not... article I quoted earlier with the with the twenty five hundred flights that was from like December twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! In addition cow. to the weather ones, they canceled. Basically, the company stopped operations for a couple days. That's unbelievable. In, while their competitors were flying and people were stuck in airports and shit, it was awful. As a result of this, Southwest had been planning to return its dividend, its quarterly dividend to stockholders which is suspended in 2020 because of the pandemic. And then you're you know, trying to recuperate and all this stuff. So like, okay, our shareholders are going to get a dividend for the first time in the fourth quarter. Nope. 
Not going to get a dividend. <laughs> so the reason they're not going to get a dividend is because Southwest is going to miss earnings and essentially lose, or it's going to cost them $825 million for a 10-day oh fuck-up. God. That's, that's like... That's like 82.5% of the annual public subsidies that go to Metro <laughs> Transit. Holy so, that's a lot of money. That is it for a quarter. Now, the next step for, for people, so the, the stock is bouncing back a little bit, but the stock's up and down. Everybody's starting to see the writing on the wall for a company that can't earn airlines. Delta and Spirit have basically taken all of their money and customers because everyone's like what are you doing man like i can't trust you with my now it's become a southwest is the the airline that you travel when it's convenient it doesn't really matter like you're going to vegas with the boys fine like i'm gonna go and see my family can't travel southwest yeah no that, that's you can't rely on it as a as an air it's also also like anybody who's done any kind of traveling knows that southwest has the weirdest seating system of all yeah like it does. Y- you're not assigned it's like you don't know where you're gonna sit and so like the advantage is like you have to stay plugged in or like automate your check-in with southwest because you don't know where you're gonna be seated on the airplane and if you check in late then you have to stand later in line and you select a seat on an airport like it's like the weirdest set of flash decisions and like judgments and like weird rejection of people it is, it's it's very bizarre like the middle seats fill up last so like if you don't check in early then you're like late already and you're gonna have to sit in some uncomfortable seat between two people who don't want to sit next to anybody either it's a very it's a very weird thing it's like it feeds into the chaos and like the weird mindset that people take on when they go to the airport yeah, so the Southwest for a long time had been lauded as this disruptor of management, and they were very, they very famously prioritized their coworkers as kind of co-investors in the company. Like, if you have good employees that want to be there, then they'll treat your customers in a way that your competitors don't, and as a result of that, your customers will want to be with you, et cetera. And they they were very disruptive from the CEO down. Southwest as a business case from about 1999 to 2012 or so is taught in business schools as a way to kind of disrupt the model. But then again, we returned to this conversation of they started cutting costs. It started to be about the bottom line. It started to be about the stock price. And as a result of that, they stopped updating shit. So I will tell you this story. Um, My wife just signed a contract to become an attending physician at uh, somewhere in Tennessee. Now, big congratulations. Huge deal her biggest the biggest negative for this hospital was that they don't have the most widely accepted electronic health record which is like an industry standard it has competitors but not really and her was like man that actually does suck a lot and i'm not going to make a decision on that but i don't love it yikes you know what i mean it's kind of that exact thing it's an adjustment like well we got to do it it's fine and, and whatever but also like Everybody out here is doing this. And there are plenty of hospitals that do other stuff, but there's one. It's called Epic. And yep. it sucks, but it's also important, right? It's like all of your other technology yep. that you use at work. So for Southwest, if you're a flight attendant at Southwest, you must look at your colleagues at all these other airlines and be like, fuck, that looks so cool to just be able to get my assignment on a phone. <laughs> well, and, and another big deal is that part, we, we talked about like the network structure of like the hub and spoke model versus this kind of like piecemeal uh, net, like point-to-point system that Southwest right. has. Another part of that is that Southwest really tries to emphasize like tight turnaround times. Right. So, like their boarding times are shorter and they, they, they really try to get movement consistently. And it's like, well, yeah, if you can fly 10 flights a day instead of eight, then you make more money from two more flights. So that model makes sense from a point, from a bottom line point of view. But what happens is if 
you have a delay or cancellation in one place in this point-to-point model, then there's a domino effect all the way down the line. And that can be caused not just by like systematic cancellations or like weather-based events, but also because of like missed tight turnaround times. So yeah. you're scheduled for 10 flights a day. Well, a delay in the first flight of the day could potentially cause you to like push or cancel like the last two or three flights of the day. And so that like built-in feature to their business model is another reason that they have like failed to that they, they, they canceled so many flights and they were just utterly unable to manage the scheduling, getting crews in the right place, getting people's baggage from A to B, yeah. getting people from A to B. It, it, it was just like a total catastrophic meltdown. And like, it's because they're doing things a different way than everybody else. And it's one thing to be disruptive, but it's another thing to just be cheapskates. So there yeah. are, there's a lot of talk I've, I've seen um, in, in my career about supply chain inflation and how, logistics managers with the, with the pandemic shipping and things was a big problem. So I think that we say AI algorithms, machine learning, whatever people assume that that's going to be able to figure out things like scheduling and getting from A to B. And what we're starting to find out is that the, the demand for these logistics experts is kind of where we thought that the demand for computer programming would be that mm-hmm. that's the next bastion of this, because what you need is a team of even 10 people to see this coming and be like, shut up this the computer says this you say this like we're going to kind of do both we're going to handle this the companies with tens of thousands of employees they need traffic cops for shit like this and there's not <laughs> yes. like that's not like a major it kind of is in certain places but well I, yeah well it, no it, 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 it is yeah like that's that's definitely a major like you you can get a degree like a business degree it's like a business like, degree right yeah like supply chain logistics mm-hmm. yeah that, that uh, that's like a whole field of, yeah that's why like, yeah, you can you can definitely get a degree in that. I think that this is kind of a tipping point for me and, and after the years of the pandemic and Amazon and whatnot of being like, this is something that people need to start looking into and paying attention because we're all so connected. It's a global national economy wherever you are. That one thing, a fucking snowflake in Phoenix means that you can't fly home 10 days later. This is crazy. Yeah, that is absolutely bananas. And like, I also want to point out that because of Southwest's antiquated software system it was not able to like adequately manage the scheduling so southwest was actually relying on people to try to manually mm-hmm. align aircraft crew baggage passengers destinations times like and like could you imagine trying to do that for like i don't know even five or six flights like with the, there's like 200 people on an airplane plus the crew plus all the people that got to work on the airplane plus all the baggage that all the people have in the airplane and all the different destinations those people are trying to get to like trying to do that for even a few flights would be like you have to have a specialist in that position and it would be really really helpful to automate all the calculations and inputs and to try to do that for like 16,000 flights no wonder they <sighs> stopped basically stopped operations for like it a week it seems like a headache to just be a barista manager like a manager of starbucks and just schedule your 20 employees like could you imagine oh yeah li- like un just simply unbelievable well i mean it's a it's a mess and it's one of those things where you're just like I, if you get if you're a company that has a stock price and you make your product your stock price this is going to happen to you it is a matter of time yes absolutely so if anybody out there is interested in becoming a logistics manager for game theory we're <laughs> looking to hire uh, yeah. we cannot offer you any sort of pay you cannot get college credit i I knew exactly what to do, Chris, but in a very real way, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what to do.